0: This is Out of Bounds. This is Out of Bounds coming to you live on the Know Your News Network. I, of course, am John Alba. Normally, you're used to seeing me with Mia O'Brien, but Mia had her tonsils taken out last week and, for the first time in her existence, cannot talk. And uh, that means we call to the bullpen. We got our boy Jordan Katz. Who you've seen here on the program before, hanging out with us. Jordan, what's going on, man? Thanks for that's, hopping
1: on. Yeah, anytime, John. Happy to get the call out of the pen. Uh, the arm's loose, ready to roll. So yeah, how's your uh, tendon? Uh, That see, that's a low blow. <laughs> that was just really, really <laughs> low. Um, yeah, that hurt. That yeah. Hurt hmm. Well, we'll want.
0: be talking about the World Baseball Classic in just a little bit here on Out of Bounds. It's a special Tuesday edition of Out of Bounds uh, yesterday. A little chaotic, but we've got you covered here on the Know Your News Network with all the great content as we do. And we always encourage you guys to get involved with the show. If you're watching on YouTube, just hit up that super chat. Leave it for us. We'll leave your comment. On, we'll read your comment on air or you go to kynchat.com, dot com. You leave us one of those chats and we'll get it on air. As well, but uh, it's always easiest if you're just on YouTube and you're watching us, you hang out with us, we have a good time. Uh, this is going to be a fun one, uh, a smorgasbord of topics that we have uh, on display for this one. And then, of course, as we introduced to you last week, my friends, the beast of the week to end things out here, which I know Jordan is very excited to get into. Uh, what caught your attention this week, man, in the sports world? It, it's that weird period where we're about to get baseball going, the basketball season's in the home stretch. Anything grab your attention this this week here?
1: You know, uh, this, is, this is to me like this one or two-week stretch of just like you're waiting for everything, right, you know, with basketball and hockey and everything. Um, I think the biggest story still remains the fact that we had one of the wildest March Madnesses ever. And you've got a March Madness with no ones, twos, or threes in the final four. I mean, John, that's that's crazy. Yeah. Absolutely crazy.
0: And we're going to get into that momentarily here. But before we do, we always have an opening toast. I know you're on that water diet, so I'll sure am, oblige by giving everyone that ASMR. Stand by, stand by, stand by. There it is. Mm. And uh, a, a toast... To uh let's see. Wait, well, you, you you give me a toast. You're an honorary guest here. What are, what are we toasting to?
1: Uh I will give a toast. Uh we're gonna go a little niche, but it is WrestleMania week. Is WrestleMania week. So for those of you that are wrestling fans, happy WrestleMania week. If you're not a wrestling fan, cheers to whatever you'd like to cheers to. Cheers.
0: Mm. Cheers to you for uh not getting caught up in the weeds of WrestleMania week. That's if <laughs> <right>. <laughs> that's true. Because uh, you're a fortunate one. <laughs> let me tell you that. It is it is a fun week. It is. It's it, a even, really even fun week. If you're not a wrestling fan, there's, there's somewhat of like a pop culture crossover with WrestleMania. It, it is a larger than life event, there's a lot of celebrity involvement with it. It's a lot of fun. And uh, if you're in Los Angeles, well, come say hi. I'll be out there all week long. Uh, because uh, the final four will be competing with WrestleMania week. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's going to be a great one, Jordan, because as you said, I, I mean, this is a-, a final four for the ages FAU, Florida Atlantic, Miami, Yukon, and San Diego State. We're talking Boca. We're talking, you know, Coral Gables. We're talking San Diego and then Beautiful Stores, Connecticut all basketball paradises. No doubt, parody-wise, maybe the wildest Final Four we've ever had, but is that a good thing for the game, or maybe not so much, Jordan?
1: You know, this is always the debate with March, right? The debate is you get a ton of upsets. We love to see upsets, but how does it impact the ratings, and how does it impact the game itself? First off, Massive, massive credit to coaches like Brian Dutcher and Jim Larinaga, who ran through the gauntlets that they ran through. Uh, Brian Dutcher's got a great program in San Diego State. Laranega, of course, has created another staple. In I to say for Larinaga to do this Miami, again, for sure. to do this um, again for. Laranega, I believe after what the you like before. you know the the crazy world stat is on March 26, two thousand six. George Mason overcame a double-digit second-half deficit. And on March 26, 2003, Miami, Florida. I mean, that's just wild. Um, Dan Hurley, too. Dan Hurley's a great coach. Finally gets to the Final Four. Obviously, Dusty May's kind of a younger coach, but he takes Florida Atlantic. I mean, these are great, great stories. But last year's Final Four was Duke, North Carolina, (laughs) Kansas, and Villanova.
0: Yeah, a little different.
1: something tells me, John. If you ask the college basketball powers which Final Four they want, I think we know which one they want.
0: So I'm going to counter with this. Here's something that was running through my head as I was going through this. FAU, number nine seed, right? Like, very cool, awesome story. I feel like FAU hasn't grabbed the Cinderella headlines that many of the other Cinderella's have had. I don't know why that is. Maybe, maybe that's just me living in a bubble, but no. I don't know. Like I think about St. Peter's and yeah, George Mason even, and it was like this huge, massive thing. And maybe this is a product of we're starting to get used to see Cinderella's really make a run. It was a question I brought up last week on the show where I said, At what point do we stop even referring to them as Cinderella's and just have the expectation that a team that's a nine seed or higher is going to make a run in these tournaments? It's almost a given at this point. And I wonder if that steals some of the allure away from all of this.
1: Yes, uh, seven-seater higher had made the Final Four fairly regularly over the last decade, so you kind of got used to seeing that, and that's absolutely true. And in the case of Florida Atlantic, I mean, how many people picked Memphis to go to the Final Four? Memphis was a very trendy pick in that eight slot because everybody knew the East region was going to get blown up in some way, shape, or form. Florida Atlantic's got 30 wins. Florida Atlantic is a, a really strong – Yeah, yeah. It was ranked in the top 25, strong in major programs. They didn't really grab that – um, Cinderella story like you talked about. Honestly, the bigger Cinderella story was Miami, Florida. Miami, Florida beats not one, but two teams that are ranked in the AP preseason top 25 to get to the final four. And that stat of being in the AP preseason top 25 lending itself to having March success is real. And again, Brian Dutcher at San Diego State did the same thing. Um, I don't know why Florida Atlantic hasn't grabbed it. But at the end of the day, I think the most interesting part of this fight of this tournament is you saw the impact of the transfer portal in this tournament. You've seen all the balance of, uh, you know, the balanced teams. Uh, there was no team that was so like is that a good thing. Or a pattern on pattern? Well, depends on your point of view. I think it's a good thing. I think it's a great thing. I think the transfer portal makes for interesting stories where guys can go play right away. A guy like Kirk Risa is going to transfer out of Arizona. He's going to go be the lead guard for some contending team. Um, you get the mid-major guys that get to go take a step up in program and prove their draft stock. And when you factor in the G League, I think it's a thing that makes sense for all parties involved. But does it mean we lose out on the Blue Bloods getting in? It might. And that's very interesting.
0: It also is cool for me, in my view at least, I should say, that San Diego State is here because people tend to forget this, but in 2020, San Diego State was looking like they might be a national champion contender. Yep. And then we know what happened with that tournament. It never happened. So now, here, San Diego State is three years later, and they have an opportunity to grab what you could argue might have belonged to them in the first place with this final four appearance and potentially showing up in the national championship game i i think it is good for the game look ratings are what they are the, the reality is the ncaa tournament march madness is such a cash cow regardless of who's playing in the national championship game it is going to draw copious amounts of money i was talking about this last week on the show i, I almost think there should be more of a rev share among all the schools that Absolutely. make it to level the playing field just a little bit, get teams like Fairleigh Dickinson more adequate facilities so that they can be viewed on the higher level with some of these other programs. But yeah, I, look, I'm I'm in for it. What's what's your pick here, man? What what are you going with?
1: Um, oh boy, I'll take UConn just because they're clearly the best team that's left. But I, I kind of hope they don't win just because this tournament has been just every team you, you think is going to win advantage. doesn't win. Gimme yeah. Miami, Florida, gimme Florida, Atlantic, and let's like let's see, you know. Uh, that's what I'm rooting for. What do you got? I'm probably going with
0: UConn as well. Great coaching matters in a tournament. Sure does. Early, as you said, is a great coach. They're a legacy program, even though it's been some time since they have been, but they're still a legacy program. And yeah, I, I think uh I think that's what ends up going down, but it is a great story. And look, if it doesn't, if look, if Larry Naga is able to like actually get this yeah. national championship after almost 16 years, 17 years of that iconic George, like I would say George Mason is, on the short list for maybe the most famous Cinderella ever, wouldn't you I would,
1: I would argue that George Mason is the most influential Cinderella. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's very fair. I think that you can argue that they're more – I know, listen, Butler makes back-to-back championships. I get it. But I think George Mason really sets the tone. Um, as far as Larinaga goes and, like, getting that title, the X factor for them is Isaiah Long in this game because if you're going to take away Jordan Hawkins on one end, what's the best way to do that? Make him play defense. Not that Jordan Hawkins is a bad defender, but tire him out on that end. He loses his legs with his shot. Isaiah Wong is a massive X factor for them in this this final four. Speaking of X factors, John, the biggest story of March Madness is not on the men's side. No. It is on the women's side. Which has been a great tournament, by the way. Absolutely. The women's tournament has had its fair share of upsets, having Miami, Florida make a run to the Elite Eight. Um, and two guns going down bounced. early. UConn goes down. Two ones get, ba- get bounced before the Sweet 16 for the women's tournament. That is also unheralded territory. So you're seeing some of the effects there of, of programs starting to branch out, which is wonderful. But the star is Caitlin Clark. Caitlin Clark is the best player on the planet right now. She has a 40 point triple double in the Elite Eight game against Louisville and leads her Iowa Hawkeyes to a 97-83 to victory, the first ever 40-point triple-double in NCAA tournament history. It was also, on the women's side, the first ever 30-point triple-double in NCAA tournament history. So, you know, why accomplish one when you can accomplish both? My question to you, John, is did this cement Caitlin Clark's GOAT status? Hard to argue against it,
0: right? <laughs> like, like sure is. Put put about first off to read the the exact line: forty one points, twelve assists, and ten boards, which is just an outstanding showing for anybody, let alone in an elite eight game. It's an amazing story, which I think adds to her legacy. Where she chose to stay in Iowa. She's from Des Moines, I believe, originally, and she chose to stay in Iowa. I'm so glad we're talking about this with me and not here because i have be <laughs> hearing about this every single 14 seconds on the yeah, show. It was, yeah. um, but big shot Clark, right? Like this girl knocks down every single clutch moment shot that she's ever had thrown her way. She has brought Iowa. She has, it, as you were kind of alluding to this before, it is very hard to elevate a woman's program because the, competition is just so different than on the men's side. Yeah. And she has elevated Iowa significantly yeah. in recent times. I think she's absolutely in the conversation for one of the greatest college women's college basketball players ever.
1: You know when we talk about quarterbacks and we talk about who's the most talented quarterback, right? We use that 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 verbiage for we used it for Aaron Rodgers, now we're using it for Patrick Mahomes, the most talented quarterback to ever play. Uh, acknowledging the fact that Tom is the greatest to ever do it, but acknowledging the fact that Mahomes has a more talent. Like he just he's unbelievable. That's where I think Caitlin Clark is. I, I think Caitlin Clark is arguably the most talented women's collegiate basketball player of all time. I think, you know, men or women, she's in a handful. Um it, on the women's side, you put Diana Taurasi in there, you Maya put Cheryl Moore. Swoops in there, you put Maya Moore in there. Um The things she's doing though, are on a different level. She's shooting threes like 70% of her threes or something like that from 25 plus feet. That's, that's Steph Curry. That is unheard of right now on the women's side. And she's such a smart basketball player too. I watched that game against Louisville because she's such a draw and She'll dribble the ball and bring it to the right side of the court because she loves to go left. Everybody knows she loves that sidestep three to her left, but you can't guard it because she's so smart and isolates on the right side. If you try to shade to that left side, all of a sudden she drives past you. Now your defense has to collab. Now there's an open shot. She's such a brilliant offensive basketball player that she... Again, she has elevated a women's program, which, as you mentioned, is very hard to do. I think it's very, very fair if you want to call Caitlin Clark the most talented women's player to ever do at the collegiate level. I'm really excited to see what she does at the pro level. I do have a question for you leading off of that, though, John, because my buddy and I had this debate the other day. Does the women's game need to change their rules on draft eligible players? Caitlin Clark does not need to be at that level. Do they lose some viewers in the WNBA by forcing players to stay no, longer?
0: No, they don't. And I'll tell you why. And I, I hate to like say it this bluntly, but nobody's leaving school early to go make the WNBA salary. And that's not fair, because it shouldn't no, be that way. It no, shouldn't not. be that way at all. Sure. But the WNBA salary compared to an NBA salary, there's much more incentive to leave school early. Uh, Truthfully, it it works out as a benefit in the long run where these women are going to get their education. They're going to go out there and they're going to have something to leave with. So many women's players are forced to play professionally overseas in a myriad of different situations. Look what just happened with Brittany Griner. Obviously there's not always benefits to that. Right. But, um, so I don't, I don't necessarily think that it would do all that much in terms of incentivizing players to leave. The WNBA itself is a growing league continuously year over year, which is a good thing. The NBA is doing a better job at marketing the WNBA, including them in their licensing and video games. Like that's a way to grow the game. But ultimately, what, what attracts people to watch a league? The stars. Yep. The stars that play in it. And Caitlin Clark has a chance to utilize all of this spotlight that she has cultivated and carry that with her when she does make the professional jump eventually. And I think the WNBA will reap the rewards of that.
1: For sure. For sure. It's just, it's interesting just because in the case of Caitlin Clark, I I, I think her emergence with the Iowa program is big. Um, I think it puts again, puts another program on the map. I think that's a big deal in the case of Sabrina Ionescu. I think it really costed her because Sabrina Ionescu was the best player on the court as early as, I don't know, her sophomore year. And Sabrina Ionescu is playing for a big program in Oregon, um, but they didn't have the horses to go win a title. Um, Again, South Carolina has developed this power that we saw with, you know, UConn back in the day. Um, I wonder if it would have helped the league to get a player like UNESCO in early. It's just, it's interesting. I think at the end of the day, I think you're right. I think it comes down to the fact that just the, that you're not running for the WNBA salary, which is unfortunate and it's a whole different discussion. Um, But it's, it's an interesting topic just because you see somebody like Caitlin Clark, she's ready right now.
0: She could step right in. No doubt about it right now and be a star.
1: She will change some team for sure.
0: Imagine she ends up being the poster child for this league where she's changing the way that the game is played by almost NBA-izing it yeah. by emphasizing the three. And and look, that's what people love. People love the the, the long ball, right? Mm-hmm. That's Absolutely. That's what they love, and even whether it's baseball or basketball. And and I think she has an opportunity to do that. Uh, someone who hasn't been shooting for a while until recently, LeBron James, Jordan Katz. This one, uh, this is an all-timer, as far as I'm concerned. (laughs) So, LeBron has had an ailing foot for some time now. He missed four weeks, long time, missed a month, 13 games, as the Lakers are trying to make a playoff push here. And it looked like his season might be done. Until he consulted with a doctor that he referred to as, quote, the LeBron James of feet, preferring not to disclose his name, of course who assured him that he'd be able to return the season from a torn tendon in his right foot with around-the-clock rehabilitation and training. Two other doctors had recommended James go under the knife to to repair this. Instead, he's back to participate in the Lakers' final playoff push here. Are you buying that LeBron James went to the LeBron James of feet doctors, foot doctors, I don't know, what, whatever you want to call them? Or is something awry here, Jordan?
1: You know, there's a Rex Ryan joke in here somewhere, but we're yeah, just gonna is, move past it. Is, huh? um, I I think we have seen the last of LeBron at an elite level. Because I, of this
0: injury, or you think just of how I
1: just it? think it's I just think it's over. I don't think he can play a full season anymore. I don't think he can stay with the quicker players defensively which is why despite the fact that his offensive numbers are always a juggernaut, they still are, his team is just not where it needs to be. Now, there are other factors for that as well. Obviously, it's not a great roster. Obviously, Anthony Davis has injury history. But I think we have seen the last of LeBron in terms of being that upper echelon great player. That's my takeaway here. If you're Perfect. asking me whether I buy that he went to the foot specialist and all of that jazz, what I buy is the fact that he couldn't play at an elite level for 82 games. Does that mean that he was, you know, advised to take time off? I don't know. But I buy the fact that he can't play at an elite level for 75, 82 games anymore. I think that's very evident. And you're right. You see, you kind of said it. It is sad. It is kind of sad because for a lot of us, that's our Jordan. That's the guy that we grew up on as an elite talent. I mean, the dude was the chosen one before he played a game and lo and behold, he lived up to it. Who could have thought that? I mean, that's an accomplishment in and of itself. Forget what he's done. Um, so I don't know if I buy it, John, but I do think it stems an interesting question of if we have seen the last of LeBron at an elite level.
0: Yeah, I, and I I tend to agree, with you, but I guess it also questions what do you define as elite in the NBA? Like LeBron is still a guy, we talked about this as, in his pursuit for the all-time record here, he's still a guy that can average in the high 20s close to 30 points a game. Oh, yeah. Still that guy. Mm -hmm. Defensively, yeah. Has he lost a little bit of a step? Maybe. But he's still playing at an extremely high all-star caliber level. And, like, if I'm asking myself, well, is that the chemical composition of of an elite player? Yeah, I I still think it is. Now, there's legitimate questions to be had as to whether or not his body has that sustainability. He had the groin injury for a while that kept him out and was aggravating him. And then this... There's something a little sus about this <laughs> foot doctor who we can't reference who it Yeah, is. Yep. Can't say his name, but he told me to stick with it. Huh? I don't know, man. Like, I'm not here throwing accusations out or anything. Ch- Chael Sonnen's doing that instead. <laughs> but, I mean... Could there be something awry? Yeah. Look, I'm. All, I want to make this very clear. I am all about athletes taking whatever doctor-approved supplements that they should to get healthy. I think getting who would we would take that right? Like if we sure. had the opportunity to get healthy, absolutely. Like I'm all about that. So whether or not this was natural rehabilitation, I'm not accusing anything. I'm just saying. I think it's worth being part of the discourse.
1: I will still say that I think the more likely answer is the fact that he was told he didn't need surgery. He took the time off. I hope that's it. The reason that I the reason that I think it's it is because I think the track record's there. Mm-hmm. Any injury that he has had in the last few years, he has waited longer than expected. Yes, to that's return. very true. That's very so true. So the track record is there for him to have waited longer than expected with this foot injury, and part of that is because again he plays in an elite level on the offensive end. He is still a playmaker. He is still an efficient scorer but he can't stay with guys anymore on the defensive side. Um, to be honest with you, I'm not going to use the word liability defensively, but I'm going to use a word that's kind of close to it mm. because uh, he can't lock down guys. He, he can't lock down Giannis for 48. He Can't do it. Cannot do it. No chance. and He, he couldn't do it. Um, could he lock down a Harden who's more quick than fast? Maybe, but I don't, I think he'd struggle with that. Um If he were to do it, he would lose some value on the offensive end. He would have to suffer some value on the offensive end because it's just hard. It's just hard to maintain that level uh, of play at this level for as long as he can uh, without getting hurt. And again, you know, you talk about a guy like Kobe, right? Like Kobe had a really long career. Kobe wasn't the athlete that LeBron is. No. no. Like the athlete that LeBron is that we've seen, you could put on a uh, on one hand, if that, it might be three fingers. Like
0: Kobe had an instinct that made him very successful.
1: LeBron was sheer athleticism. And again, not to dismiss the talent. The talent is all world. It's just the athleticism combined with the talent took him to a place that is otherworldly. And now the athleticism with the age is starting to go a little bit. So how do you maximize the talent of LeBron James? In theory, you play less games.
0: Yeah, as long as it doesn't become one of those load management situations. I know that the league has been having talks about that new CBA where it sounds like to be considered for awards, you're going to have to reach a certain threshold of games played, which I don't have an issue with. No LMB
1: just sat out a game because he didn't want to hurt his numbers against Nikola Jokic. Figure it out. Figure it out.
0: Sorry, continue. No, please, by all means, keep going.
1: Figure it out. I don't care if you have to incentivize guys to play in the eighty-two games. I don't have to think. I don't care if you have to incentivize All-Star games. My uh, one of my buddies came up with this idea that you get home court advantage for the entire first round. Like you get all seven games at your place for the first round. If, if you have, ha- if you have a top four seed, you get all seven games oh, at okay. your place. I, guess, I, guess, I guess. Right to incentivize the regular season. I don't think that. I don't very care. Fair. I don't <laughs> care. To figure it out. Figure out – Joel Embiid should not – that was the marquee game of the regular season. They're missing primetime games. They're missing – this started with Popovich when Popovich did this back in the mid-2010s. This started with him, and it only got worse. Figure it out. Figure out a way to get your stars on the court, because if you don't figure out a way to get your stars on the court, if you look at the NCAA numbers from this year, they're really, really good. And I'm just saying – You think that one plus one would equal two in terms of like, oh, we want to watch basketball. No, we want to watch stars. Why did people tune in to see Caitlin Clark? They tuned in to see a star. That's what the NBA is. The NBA is a superstar league. You're built on star leagues. Figure it out. Speaking of stars. And stars who don't play. And stars who don't play. And maybe not stars anymore. We go to Ben Simmons. The Brooklyn Nets have officially shut down Ben Simmons for the season, which is not a surprise because Ben Simmons did not really do a lot for the season. And again, this is a young roster. Whether they make the playoffs or not is kind of irrelevant, even though they're going to make the playoffs and hopefully will have a top six seed for John. Uh, Simmons hasn't played since the uh, since the final game before the All-Star break. Is that right? Yep. He hasn't played since the final game before the All-Star break? Oh, my goodness oh my god this is just uh, this uh john uh, let's 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 do this because obviously the ben simmons trade is kind of just a wash is simmons kind of becoming one of those all-time busts
0: yeah easily how could he not be
1: with, an, with talent out the wazoo
0: i don't understand how you can make the argument that he's not at this juncture and and i was somebody who was willing to go to bat for Ben Simmons. I was like, you know, I, I had empathy for the mental health stuff. I was like, maybe it's just a change of scenery that he needs. You know, when you're in a bad workplace, sometimes you just need to get out and do something different. I get that. Um, listen, how legitimate are the injuries? Who's to say? I, I think for you to be sitting out this long, you would hope that there's some credibility to just how painful this is. And like, you don't like to see anyone in pain, but you hope to believe that he's sitting out for good reason at the very least. Sure, Um, But yeah, a a total non-factor. I thought he would be a really good fit with the Nets, especially in the Durant and Irving situation. But guess what? Here's the reality. Kyrie Irving had no desire to make things actually work in Brooklyn. And Kevin Durant was there for the ride. And we saw how that ended up. Harden, it was a foolish trade on the Nets' behalf. It was a foolish trade. They got, enticed by the shiny new car they were told that it had a lot of mileage left and that they could shine it up real nice and get out there and we saw how that went down it's a shame they sacrificed their entire franchise for it it didn't work out they take the shot on ben simmons that didn't work out they're lucky that they were able to recover a decent package with the kevin durant trade and the kyrie irving trades but yeah i think ben simmons is very close to approaching all-time bus status. What team would take a chance on him if the Nets cut him?
1: None. Zero. None. Um, before moving to Ben Simmons, just quickly on Brooklyn, I do think they did a wonderful job recouping those assets. This is now a fun young team. I think you're going to watch McKilbridge just turn into a star. He's great. He's um, great. He's great. So it's a fun young team, and Jock Vaughn's a great coach for a fun young team. So I do think that they, I think better times are ahead for the Nets. Um, ben Simmons is so interesting, so weird to me because. Ben Simmons has been, like, set back since LSU. When he was at LSU, I, I believe their head coach was Johnny Jones at the time. They used him as a five. They stuck him in the post. They stuck him in the post defensively and used him as a five. He, you can't impact the game as a five at the collegiate level the way you can as a combo guard. LSU did not have a good season because his combo guard skills weren't used. Ben Simmons is so talented that he was able to walk onto an NBA floor, play the combo guard role, and play it really well and make all a couple All-Star games. And he was a defensive player, you know, all-defensive team. Um, but Ben Simmons never learned how to do the guard things because at LSU he was basically shunned from doing them. He didn't get the chance to improve his three-pointer because he was stuck in the post. He didn't get the chance to improve his ability to laterally defend. Not that he still not, you know, wasn't good at it. Six foot 10. He was, but he didn't get the chance to work on those guard skills and and the ability to be a three level scorer because he was stuck inside. I wonder if the term we should be using for Ben Simmons is not bust John. And if it's more of a, what if
0: underachiever?
1: Yeah. Maybe it's a, what if like, what if he went, to a program that used him as a lead guard. So you're right? blaming like,
0: this on college.
1: I think that I think his problems in terms of the NBA, in terms of his skill, go back to the collegiate days and the way he was used at LSU, and that was and not why was where, he taken as a top draft pick. Because the talent was all world, and I think teams overlooked the fact that he was used as a five. If I remember that correctly, I'm actually pretty sure that that was literally the verbiage used where they were like, it doesn't matter where he played, it doesn't matter that LSU didn't make the tournament, this kid is an elite talent. And if you think about another instance where that occurred, Markel Foltz was drafted first because he was that kind of talent. Mm-hmm. It didn't pan out for him right away, but John, you know, you were in the Orlando area, and I know you're still very familiar with that Magic team.
0: It took time and development.
1: And would you argue that Markel Fultz right now can be the lead guard of that team if they want to go make the playoffs I mean, next year?
0: Markel Fultz is is a dependable point guard,
1: and he can absolutely be the lead guard of that team if they want to go make the playoffs next year. I know there's rumors of them getting a point guard, but again, Markel Fultz can be that guy.
0: Well, I feel like it's the same thing for like Anthony Edwards too. He wasn't on a good, he wasn't on a good collegiate program, but everyone saw his talent for what it was, and you know, so far he's delivered to that point and has has been a. Pretty damn good NBA player, I'd say. Yep, uh, and and that is that does beg an interesting point about talent evaluation and maybe what a talent's leashes. But I just don't see a scenario at this point, Jordan, where Ben Simmons is going to be able to unlock that.
1: Yeah, I think that's right. Again, uh, I you know playing the, again the devil's advocate side is he, I don't know if he was allowed to grow into the player that he could have become based on the fact that it cut the collegiate level, some of those skill sets, he just wasn't in a position to develop. Now, is that a reason for over seven years or whatever it is to have not developed a three? Uh, no. No, especially no, in not. a
0: league that has become increasingly reliant yeah. on three. No.
1: no, it's not. Um, it's just, it's, it's, it's really an interesting case of how did it go so wrong so fast? And it's all mental for him at this point, by the way. Well, the minute he catches a ball, the minute he catches the ball at the post, he doesn't want to shoot. He doesn't want to shoot. Well,
0: like, I think it, that, I think of that playoff game where he passed on that open layup.
1: And, and literally since then, it's been off a cliff. Like he does not want to shoot. It's just – it's it it's unfortunate because I think people are going to forget like the talent that he was at the peak that he had. Like, he really was just a a really different player, a different kind of player. Um, But, you know, the best ability is availability, and the best ability is longevity, and he won't have either.
0: He's got neither of it. Exactly. Let's move on to baseball here, the World Baseball Classic. Before you go on your rant, because I know you're going to go on a rant here, Jordan, this was like the coolest freaking event ever. Japan defeats the United States last week in the final packed house in Miami. Shohei Otani is brought in as the closer in this, and his last batter is teammate Mike Trout, arguably the two biggest stars in the game, playing for the same team, the Angels, coming down to two prolific countries with when it comes to baseball. This tournament was amazing, and for it to come down with the stars aligning to Otani versus Trout, is this one of the most significant at-bats in the history of the game when all is said and done? I mean, it wasn't like Otani got Trout to ground out to short. He struck him out. Get out of here. What are you doing?
1: Oh, I was just sleeping. I'm sorry. Um, The games don't matter. Uh, Just taking a quick nap. How
0: how can you say they don't matter?
1: Well, because they don't produce a a World Series champion or playoffs of any kind. They they produce,
0: first off, it's a once every four years tournament,
1: okay? Uh Uh-huh. And it's a yep. tournament. So is the Olympics. So is and, the Olympics. Okay. And do the Olympics mm-hmm. matter? Oh, of course they do. But the okay. t- according to the NHL, NHL, the NHL took their guys out of it because okay, they'd rather but, have yeah. them play in the regular season.
0: Okay. This is not in the middle of the regular season. This is before the regular
1: no, season. No, it's just right before the regular season when somebody can get hurt and wind up out for the year or yeah. break their thumb and oh, wind up so. out for two months or strain their hand so and wind up out for two months.
0: So, so when are you doing? I
1: don't know. Okay. That's the thing. I okay. don't know. Okay. As far as look the what this
0: tournament goes. did for the Listen,
1: game. No, no, no. <laughs> look what this tournament
0: did for the sport. Look how many people tuned into this thing. They got people to voluntarily tune into FS one to watch baseball. Okay? And it mm-hmm. wasn't just baseball, it was great baseball that they got to watch these games ruled the atmospheres ruled it showed baseball fans in america who have been so conditioned to be miserable about this sport because that's what they're told from the people who matter that hey this sport can be pretty damn fun it can be exciting even if it's a long game it can still be an exciting game and you get the two biggest stars in the game going at it in the final at bat and the pitcher won. Remember all this? Oh, the offense is going to be what's going to sell tickets. Well, the pitcher won in the duel. The guy that is emulating Babe freaking Ruth.
1: Come on. You're going to be that guy? If only the two of them were on the same team. Yeah. Like how but, you know, cool And that's the saddest be... part.
0: That's the saddest part because the two of them might not play play playoff baseball. Nope. This nope. is the closest thing they're going to get to that. Like... I'm watching this and I'm saying to myself, we got to get Trout and Otani into the playoffs.
1: Hey, yep, but got nothing. You got an owner that wants to sell the team instead of spend. And then chose not to sell the team. <laughs> and then chose not to sell the team. Yeah. Um, look,
0: I think. Is this the biggest at bat ever? You're going to no. say no. Okay, no. no, it's not. Okay. Come on. Okay.
1: Come on. Okay. Keep going. This, look. I, it's not the biggest at-bat ever because as fun as the atmosphere was for the at-bat, which it was, you know, watching the game, the atmosphere for that bat was awesome. And the fact that he comes up with nobody on, but still represents the tying run and it's literally mano a mano. And Mike Trout took the first two swings. Like he was trying to hit the ball back to, to Los Angeles. He was trying to tie He the was game. trying to hit the ball back to Los Angeles. That was fun. Um. No, this is not a bigger at-bat than Jeter being Mr. November. No, this is not a bigger at-bat than Kirk Gibson. Um, No, this is not a bigger at-bat than, um, you know, any of those, those, you know, David Freeze, we'll see you tomorrow night. No. No. It's not. It's a fun event. It's a fun event. It matters for for, for the people that are in it who get to dawn the colors of their country. We talk about it all the time. What about the
0: fans who got invested? It doesn't matter
1: to them. We talk about it all the time, that if you put USA against anyone in any sport, people are going to tune in. That's why we love the Olympics as as sports fans, because it's USA versus the world, and we love it. We eat it up. So for the fans as well, a lot of fun, John? No, it's not the biggest event. I mean,
0: I'm I'm not sitting here telling you it's, bigger than the World Series, but... John, it's not even, like, top 20. Top 20 what? Of the biggest at-bats. I just think that this encapsulated everything that baseball should, and not just should, can be. Baseball can be like this. We can have scenarios where the two biggest stars in the game face each other with a championship on the line, where you have a buzz that is unparalleled. But for whatever freaking reason, baseball just can't get out of its own
1: way with this stuff. That's probably the better takeaway is the fact that you saw what it could be. And baseball, I think I saw today that Trout's like endorsement deal is like south of $5 million. It's the biggest star in your sport. And it's endorsement deals like south of $5 million. That's insanity. That's insane. I think that's the bigger takeaway, to be honest with you. Um, that's just my opinion. Speaking of baseball, that time of year, baseball fans has arrived. We get real games that matter. Not like the world baseball classic. I ple- I rest my case. Um, speaking of baseball, we are ready to go for the start of the season. John, we do this little thing and I love that you're showing the pitch clock, which by the way, if you watch spring training games, like I actually think the pitch clock's going to work. Um, But John, we do this thing, we call it hashtag just remember you and I, and you've kind of started it of when we make our predictions for things. And um, let me get your little hashtag just remember here about the baseball season. Who do you think's (laughs) going to win it all? Uh, Maybe an MVP award. Um, Is that because I said the um, the, the, the world baseball class, that doesn't matter? Did I shove that in again? Is that why you had the, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. All right, here. Let's see. Well, first off, I I, I guess I, I guess I'll I'll ask this before we even make our predictions on that. Like, are you confident that the rule changes that are going to be in store for this season are going to re yeah. map this entire game? Are you confident yeah. that they're going to work? You think? Yeah, I, I'm I'm
1: really confident that they're going to work. I think there's only there there's two things I want to see. Um, the first of which is the pitch clock. I want the pitch clock to end at seven innings. I think relievers work slow by nature. The the amount of relievers that work fast is not high. Uh, the reason that they work slow by nature, I think, has a lot to do with the fact that they're energized when they walk out there. They've got to calm the nerves and calm everything. And I think I would like the pitch clock gone after the first seven innings. Interesting. Um, the second thing that I thought of was maybe get rid of the pitch clock for the postseason, almost like you're emulating um, the NHL with their all-star rules where in the all-star, you know, uh, with the all-star, excuse me, with their overtime rules, where in the regular season, the overtime's three-on-three and then a shootout, and then the postseason, you get the spectacular five-on-five play, which can go for hours. Um, I think that's probably a good compromise here.
0: Yeah.
1: And and, and the diehard.
0: Well, I just think we got to be a little more lenient with it. Like Sergio Romo, for example, last night for the Giants, Signs with them to play this one exhibition game so he can run out at AT&T for the final time and retire as a Giant. He was going to retire after this exhibition game. He gets his big entrance, crowds going nuts. And the ump gives him an automatic ball because he's too slow to get set up for the first pitch. Read the room, man. Yeah, seriously. Like,
1: like, like, come on now. Oh, my goodness. And then uh, N- uh Nesta Cortez like quick pitched and oh, did it too oh, too fast yeah. so then he liked this like the 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 four-time herky jerky to get yeah, to the plate i it mean it's
0: great i mean that was fantastic, fantastic. it's totally illegal but still um all right i feel confident that the pitch clock's going to work the shift it's going to open things up a little bit do i love it i don't know i'll, I'll say i'll I'll let the play convince me of that
1: i'm agree i'm agreed with that on you with with you john i'm not i don't love it but let me see the play
0: I'll I'll see how the play is impacted by it. You know, I hate the runner on second and extras. I I think now with yeah. the pitch clock, it totally negates the need to have the runner on second and extras. Totally. totally. So I'm not thrilled with that, but that's sticking around. It's not going anywhere. I think that is our new normal, unfortunately. Agreed. And that's just the nature of the beast. Uh, as for my picks, oh man, um, I think the Phillies are going back to the World Series. Truthfully, wow, yeah, I think the Phillies got better, and I mean wow. Trey Trey Turner. Had an unbelievable World Baseball Classic. He's looking would oh, be yeah. a stud. They'll get Bryce Harper back, you know, about a month into the season, uh at full. So, I think the Phillies. Rob Thompson is the guy for them, yep. and I think they will make a run. I think the Mets not having your boy as closer hurts them quite a bit. I, I agree. I really, totally agree. I think that's a two, three, four-win player that you're taking out of your pocket.
1: I think it's the only three-win player out of a bullpen in baseball right now. Again, Robertson can close, not that Robertson can't close, and he's closed in the market, Mm -hmm. but it hurts.
0: Uh, I think they're going to the World Series, and uh, if you want my like super-bold prediction out of the American League, truthfully, I think the Toronto Blue Jays are going to pull it together this year. I think the Blue Jays, I think their over-under was 92.5 wins. I think they're going to eclipse that.
1: That's a rematch in 93, right? 93 the, the starter year.
0: Yeah, I think that would be it and uh, I'm going to say the Phillies get the job done this year. I think the Phillies win the World Series.
1: Well, I mean, I think listen, I'm I'm of the mindset I think we're going to get a rematch too. I'm just going a little later. Um to me the best team in the National League, I think the National League still runs through the Atlanta Braves. I think if the Atlanta Braves are healthy, that's the best team in the National League. Um and if they can solidify the shortstop position, I know they're going to put Vaughn Grissom there. If Vaughn Grissom can just play average defense, as long as he's not below average at that shortstop position, uh, because that division has a lot of pull heavy right-handed hitters. So if he could just be average there, I think they can win the division. Um, again, that pitching has got to stay healthy. Kyle Wright's already hurt. Um But if they could stay healthy, I I think the division runs runs through the Braves. I'll take Atlanta. And, John, I'm going to fall for it again. But at some point, the New York Yankees are going to stay healthy for 162 games. I know we haven't started. We're not even going into the season healthy. We're not even going into season healthy. I get it. But at some point, they're going to stay healthy for long enough (laughs) where in the postseason, they (laughs) are playing – They're playing in New York instead of playing in Houston when it comes to the big games. That hasn't
0: mattered much. They're not even winning the games in New York. At
1: some point, this team's going to break through. You
0: want me to tell you how opening day is going to go? Please. Okay. The Yankees are going to be down 3-0 going into the bottom of the first inning with Garrett Cole. Just saying. It's Uh going to happen. Uh He'll be great the rest of the game. Yep. But, But let me tell you. I, I mean, I laid out to you already with Carlos Rodona. I already laid out to you how this. Oh, he did. No, he Carlos literally. Redone. called it
1: on. Carlos Rodona. They'll
0: they'll bring him back into the fold late April, early May.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: His first outing, he'll give up five runs in an inning and a third. They'll shut him down again. Yep. And after the All Star break, they'll say we're shutting him down for the season. In hindsight, we shouldn't have started him up. <laughs>
1: that's how it goes down i mean listen that could be how it goes down but who uh, is Severino's not going to pitch until at least may i think the yankees have a lot more pitching depth than people realize um i think they that bullpen, i think that bullpen's better than people think um i think defensively they're, they're better. better than they're Bable better they've think. gone better defensively um, i know bader bader has the little injury but i think he's ready to go um i think they are much better defensively bullpen than people think i think might Anthony be the real Bowlby, deal absolutely um the, the the American League's kind of wide open. Like, we know who the powers are in the National League, right? We know the big three in the NL East. The Cardinals should run away with the Central. I could also see, by the way, Dodgers. the Mariners being very good this year, The too. Mariners should be really good. Um, but, you know, you've got the three powers in the NL East. You've got these Cardinals should run away with the Central, and then the Dodgers and the Padres, right? That should be your six. Sure. There is a world where the American League turns on its head the Baltimore Orioles are going to be, be better run. than people think. They can make a run. Right? Uh, you just mentioned the Mariners. The Mariners can be the best team in the league. It's got to go is- right for them pitching-wise. The Twins are good. I think the Twins had a very good offseason. I think the Twins are really good. If I trusted the Twins in the postseason, I would have picked them. Mm-hmm. I just don't. But I think the Twins had a really good offseason. It could be a wild American league. Like, it really could. Yeah. So, an out-of-the-box pick there with Toronto makes a ton of sense.
0: Yeah. A ton of sense. Just saying. Just saying, let's finish up uh, our normal discussion here with Connor McDavid, and, uh, a name that just not enough people are talking about. He's having one of the greatest seasons in hockey history. He's the first player to reach 140 points a season since Yarmir Yager and Mario Lemieux did it as teammates in 96 with the Penguins. Why the hell are more people not talking
1: about this, Jordan? Because not enough people care about hockey. Um, that's just but, the, the, the God's honest
0: truth. is a big four sport heading into the postseason. It's been a great hockey season. Great there hockey are, season. Great hockey season.
1: Teams. Yep. And a lot of people do get on the bandwagon when it comes to the postseason. We've seen that more and more. Um, and the, the ESPN Turner deal is a big product of that. Um, it has been a phenomenal hockey season. You have an unbelievable wild card race right now. In the Eastern Conference, unbelievable. Um, this is one of the greatest. This is this could be the greatest single hockey season by a player not named Gretzky. There's a real argument for that because the era that we're in right now does not feature stand-up goaltenders, which means that the impact of the pads being a little bigger is even higher. And goaltenders now are elite athletes, which we talk that you know the older goaltenders talk about it all the time, or older players talk about it all the time. How uh, the the era that they played in wasn't elite athletically. I think Gretzky even was went so far as to call Ovechkin the greatest goal scorer of all time already, and he hasn't even passed Gretzky yet. This is arguably the greatest single season of a player not named Gretzky ever. And again, the fact that nobody's talking about it, John, really does suck. It really does.
0: I mean, I think we can agree the NHL definitely has a superstar marketing problem as well. Sure. As, as baseball does. I would say the NHL has it even harder. Truthfully, I I, I hate to say it this way. Do I think it kind of hampers it that he's playing up in Canada? I do. Oh, I
1: certainly do. I uh, By the way, I think this could be the last season he plays up in Canada if mm-hmm. the postseason goes poorly.
0: Yeah. I mean, the only argument against it is like Gretzky played a ton of his career in Canada and he still became a household name.
1: Yeah. But again, you know Gretzky moved on. Gretzky moved on from Edmonton under under different circumstances. But this Edmonton Oilers team is Connor McDavid, Leon Draisaitl, and nothing, and that's carried them to good regular seasons. But they have not had postseason success. I think there is a real world where Connor McDavid does not play for the Edmonton Oilers next year if this goes south. Um, staying on the hockey talk just for a second, I think there is a real world where Austin Matthews does not play for the Toronto Maple Leafs if their postseason goes south once again um and if both of those things do happen i would keep an eye on david prostanock being uh being the big piece and the big fish because that's already been rumored in a mcdavid deal this idea of a mcdavid prostanock swap which would be wild you know like it would be incredible um yeah i i don't think canada helps i think that's a good call and i don't think the marketing helps but I do think the fact that again, I don't see hockey ever be. You know, we talk about the big four sports. Um, I I think hockey has always been a distant four, um, and I think hockey would even put hockey at this stage behind some of the other sports that have emerged. Obviously, NASCAR's emerged in the in the, you know in the last twenty years. Um, I think golf is as big as it's ever been in terms of a watched you know, a watched sport. So I I think that hurts it. But it's an also it's an all time season, no doubt about it.
0: All right, Jordan, time for the Beast of the Week, and then we got to get out of here. What was the most – who was the most impressive person or team or wildest thing that you saw in sports this week? The Beast of the wow. Week.
1: Wow. Um, hmm. It's a good question. I had a lot of time to think of it, and I just – I kept on – I kept on coming back to – I kept on coming back to this – Scotty Scheffler did not win the WGC del, uh, del play, uh, the match play, which means, once again, no WGC uh, title will be defended by the current champion. The only person to defend their title was Tiger in a WGC event, which is a, a few of them to start the year. And Tiger did it eight times.
0: Those match play events were must-see TV. That is
1: unbelievable. Yeah. And if you talk about Tiger in the match play, right, he has the 9-8 and eight versus Stephen Ames, which is just all world. Um, I keep on coming back to that stat because it keeps on talking. It, it brought up the conversation in the golf circle about what would Tiger have done in today's era? And people got kind of put on the hot seat by saying that Tiger would not have won as much. I don't think that's hot seat at all. I don't think that's hot seat at all. I think that's exactly where it is. So my beast of the week, John, heading into the Masters is golf, because I think the golf game is at an elite level, and it's at an elite level at a level that it's never been at.
0: I'm all about it. I think the Masters is must-see television year in and year out, especially on Sunday. My beast of the week, I mentioned him briefly before. I'm going with Sergio Romo. I don't know if you saw this, but uh, he signed the deal a few weeks ago that he was going to ramp up in spring training just a little bit and then he was going to have his final game here in this exhibition game and what he did in spring training was he whenever a fan a kid specifically whenever a kid would ask him to sign something he asked them to sign a hat for him so for his final final game out he wore a hat that had signatures from all these kids fans Uh, I thought that's super awesome that's a great way to promote the game it's a great way to get the fans involved and to give kids something that they will not soon forget. This has been Out of Bounds. Jordan, where can people find
1: you? At JordanCats11 on Twitter.
0: There you go, folks. Hopefully we'll get things back to normal coming up in the weeks ahead. Appreciate you hopping on for Mia. Mia, we're sending you the best with your recovery. This has been Out of Bounds on Know Your News. We will see you next time. Roses are red. Violets are blue. I click the subscribe button. You really should, too. If you like videos about real news stories that are funny, stupid, or weird, subscribe now.